You know, have you noticed um, when you're when you're driving down Highway 169, maybe, or or and someone cuts you off, you look at them and go, "What an idiot! What a knothead that they would do that." But when you're the one that cuts somebody off, you think, "Oh, I'm I'm in a hurry. I got to get there." I'm, I'm you know, I have you ever done, ever done that? Uh, maybe you've never cut anybody off. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you've not done that. Uh, have you noticed that when, when um, somebody criticizes a friend you have, you think, oh, they're, they're judgmental. But when you criticize somebody, you have good discernment and you know how to read people, right? Have you noticed that sometimes when, um, when you have opinions that that don't move, you are just really wise. But when you rub shoulders with somebody that has opinions that are immovable, they're just way too critical, right? Do you get where I'm going? So, so we, we have this human nature to have a struggle with a double standard where, where we can be critical of others without acknowledging kind of our own biases or our own struggles, now, we're, we're going through the book of James, and it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating study. It's a fascinating book. It's a very important book. All the Bible is critical to study. But, but I love going verse by verse through uh, this book because it's so confrontational. And over the last several months, we, we've called this series, um, you know, moving forward, every step forward. We're, and we're, we're constantly in our walk with God moving forward and growing, and God is not finished with us, and God is growing us up and, and molding us into his image, and we understand that. And, and this is what happens as a believer. As you come to know Christ, he doesn't leave you where you are, but he grows you. And, and James is this important book that talks about what the church is supposed to do. Now, often when we think about what a church is supposed to do, we think about what we just did with the Lord's Supper. We come together and take the Lord's Supper, and that's something the church does, which is true. But, but the book of James is different because he's, he's not just talking about these things we do corporately. He's talking about how we're supposed to live when we go into the world, when, outside of these walls. Because honestly, that's where our ministry takes place. That we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. We are called to be in the world. And Jesus doesn't take us out of the world the second we come to faith in Christ. He calls us to go to the world. And he tells us things like, the world's going to hate you. Uh, it's not going to agree with you. And we see this playing out right in front of our eyes. And, and um, now... Uh, we're, we're turning our attention to James chapter 4, and today we're going to look at, at just two verses, verse 11 and 12, verses 11 and 12. And, and you know, we, we've keyed, on, on, keyed in on some important things like prejudice and like, like being honest about the anger that we have and why we fight together or why we fight with one another. And, and this morning, um, we are going to ask this important question, which is, should you be the judge? Should you be a judge? And that's a question we're going to ask today. Would you stand with me and let's read James chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 11 and verse 12. James writes this, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. 
The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, as we walk through our notes today, I'd love for you to pull those out and, and let's process this today, this important passage. And the fir- first thing I want us to see this morning in, in your notes, follow along, it says, it's this, it's wrong to slander another person. Now, now we've got to see that. We've got to, we've got to embrace that. So often we, we, we have this tendency to slander somebody or be judgmental against somebody. And I, and I want to give you a definition. I want to leave it up for a minute because this is just um, additional notes that you can take if, you're, if you want to. But, but I want you to see this, this definition of being judgmental. I am being judgmental when I determine the character and motives of another without sufficient evidence or with a disregard of my own mistakes. Let's think about this. So sometimes we, we tend to be judgmental when we look at somebody else and say, okay, this is your character, and I'm going to make that judgment without really understanding who they are. Or they, they look at the motives of somebody and try to determine, this is why they did this, without, without sufficient evidence of those motives, or without an understanding or an acknowledgement of your own mistakes. Now, now sometimes we do this. We have this struggle that, that we, will, we will disregard our own weaknesses or our own struggles as we look at somebody else and go, they're this way. Oh, I know them. This is why they did this. And, and God's word moves us to understand and embrace this truth that it is wrong for us to slander somebody. And, and you know the blank? I, I intentionally put the blank wrong in there for us to write that. Isn't that hard to write sometimes? Isn't it hard to look someone in the eye and say, I'm, I'm, I'm wrong? You know, my, my wife has taught me this, and because when we, in our family, when we make a mistake, we have to look at one another and say, I was wrong, I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? Because it's humbling to admit that we're wrong, but I've got to be honest, anytime we study God's word and we study it correctly, there are a lot of times I look at this and go, man, I'm wrong here. And, and, I'll, and, and, and it's tough to preach this because all week long I've caught myself being judgmental. I've caught myself in this moment going, but, oh, shoot, why am I preaching this this week, dadgum? Um, because it's, this is something that God is growing us in. And, and I've heard about people brag about the discernment that they have. And the wisdom they have right before they blast somebody else. Now, let's, let's process this for a minute because we, we fall into this judgmental attitude when a couple of things take place, I think. There's just um, my, my, my stab at it. When we respond to others with this self-righteous righteous attitude. Have you ever seen that? When we, we tend to fall into being, um, to slander somebody when we think I'm self-righteous. Jesus told a parable in in. 
uh, Luke chapter 18. And a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus did this all the time because he was trying to communicate uh, God's truth. So he would tell this earthly story that made sense, but it always had a heavenly meaning. And he, and he talked about, he said, he said, there was two men that were going to, going to worship, essentially. They were going to worship and, and they were going to offer their gifts to God. One was this righteous man, this, this Pharisee, and, and he stood before God and he said, God, I am so glad that I am not like that tax collector over there. Because both of them came up to, to pray. And he said, God, I am so glad I'm not like him. I fast twice a week. I give my money and I do all these things. And he said, thank you that I'm not like that guy. Well, the tax collector comes up and he, he, the, Jesus said he didn't even look up. He couldn't even look up. He basically said, have mercy on me, God. I'm a sinner. And he couldn't even look up. Jesus says in Luke um, 18, 14, he says this, I tell you, this man, this tax collector, went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And so it's important that we understand that this self-righteous spirit is one that believes that we are more valuable than somebody else. And as we live out our faith in the world, we have to understand that we're not more valuable than somebody else. And this is why I pray that we are a church that is full of just grateful people. That when someone walks in and they walk in with, with and they've been, they've made huge mistakes, we go, yeah, me too, me too. And God has been gracious to us. And so when we look at the scriptures, God moves us to, to be the kind of person that says, Lord, we are, we are grateful for what you have done. And, and this, this slandering takes place because sometimes we have this self-righteous attitude. We got to work on that. We got to we got to repent of that. Another this this slander takes place often be when we find ourselves forcing our convictions on other people. Have you noticed this? That sometimes we will slander somebody because we have convictions that maybe somebody else doesn't have. And 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 it's and especially in a church full of growing believers, right? This is a challenge that we face because as we grow in our faith, we want to honor Christ, and we are motivated to say, "Let's do what's right." And so sometimes we develop convictions that are good <clears throat> that that we should hold, but but we've got to be honest about whether those are black. There are black and white issues in Scripture that say this is right and this is wrong. But there are other <clears throat> convictions that we have that aren't necessarily prescribed in Scripture. For example, we have, Robin and I have, have made the decision, and we did this from when our kids were little, that we are going to go to public school, that, that our children will be in public school. And, and I remember being in the Putnam City District as our schools got a little rougher. And they were, they were, they were just kind of, felt like they were going downhill. And I had people come up to me going, are you going to pull your kids out? And we we're like, no, no, we're not. We're, we're going to keep them in. And, and, and I have family that I love deeply. I respect them deeply. They chose to go homeschool route. And they felt a conviction to go homeschool and to, to, to homeschool their kids. And, and, you know, this was a conviction they had. Well, we had the opposite conviction of being in public school. Now, now, 
sometimes we have a tendency to look at someone else and go, you know what? You need to witness to lost people. You ought to go to public school. Why are you not doing that? Well, that wasn't their conviction. They could have a tendency to look at us and go, you're not, gonna, you're not discipling your children. You're not, you're not protecting them. You're not, you're not being a good parent. So, so I want you to see that sometimes we have this tendency to force our convictions on somebody else. And we've got to be careful with that. We've got to, this is why we need to know the Bible. This is why we need to know the word of God because when we know the Bible, we're able to discern what are those black and white issues and what are those issues that that's a personal conviction that God is leading you to do, but it's not what God is leading me to do. Sometimes we get this self-righteous attitude because we, we have this, this misunderstanding of our convictions. Another time, we, we tend to get at this self-righteous attitude when we have the habit of habitually criticizing people. You know, we, we will criticize somebody out of, out of habit. And when we, like, like the definition says, when I judge someone's motives, when I look at somebody and I'm going to criticize them for the motives that they have, or, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to criticize them because I think this is why they did that. You know, sometimes we'll criticize people because I start thinking more about your faults than I do mine. And this is what we have to be careful of. This is why the Bible moves us to recognize it is wrong to slander somebody. Now, I want you to notice this. Look at verse 11, because there's something I want you to catch in this. He says, do not speak evil against another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. You notice that he uses the word brother three times? Because he's talking about Christians, this is the church that, that sometimes they turn into criticizing one another, and you've got to catch that. We've got to embrace that today because, because it's this tendency that we have in the church to fight with one another. And that, that, that cripples our witness to people that don't know Christ. And so James is, is confronting this issue, and he's saying, look, um, when, when, you, when you criticize and when you are slandering a brother, you, it's, it's, it's not even what Christ wants you to do. You are going against Christ. You are being unloving. It is not right at all for you to do that. Look at this. It says, but if you judge, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Now, so what law is he talking about? It's, 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 it goes back to the Old Testament in Leviticus. And I want you to see Leviticus 19.18. Jesus is talking about the royal law of God, which says this, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So, so we're moved to understand the royal law. When we criticize or slander a brother, we are breaking the royal law of God. And this is something I pray that we learn to embrace. We learn to, to, to forsake and say and recognize in our, in our lives, in our practices, that catch ourselves slander. When we catch ourselves slandering a brother, we go, whoa, whoa, we got to stop. That's not something I should do. Let's embrace that. It goes on, verse, verse 12. He says, there is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. Now, basically, this is saying only God has the right to judge. It's, it's, on, it's on God's job description, not ours, right? 
So, so I pray we understand that. It's not our job to, to, to judge people. God has not commissioned us to talk to everybody about everybody else. And this is not our job. So point number two is important for us, and one that I pray that we understand today is that, is that we've got to, to begin changing. I've got to begin changing my judgmental attitude, and it must become a priority. Changing this attitude must become a priority for us. So, so let's embrace this today. Let's, let's look at this. Let's recognize a couple of things. One is that, is that judging causes trouble for us. When I judge, that, that's trouble because the, like the Bible tells us in, in, Ma, in Matthew 7, 2, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. So we see that, that when I judge somebody, it invites judgment on myself. And this is why you see a lot of, of people that are hypercritical or, or that, that take hard stands on issues. And then if you notice that sometimes that people that are the most vocal about issues end up falling into the same trap that they're, they're against. Have you ever seen that? Because so often when we judge somebody unjustly, we are inviting problems. We are the Bible tells us that we will be judged with the same thing. So as you judge somebody, think about that. Think about that you're going to be judged with the same measuring stick or the same yardstick that, that you're judging. And invites trouble. And, and, and it's also, this is an interesting idea that, that when you judge somebody, you're, 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 you're going against Christ himself. When you judge somebody, especially when you judge a brother or a believer. Remember when Paul or Saul was, had the, the blinding light experience? And he's, and he's standing there and the light shone. And, and, and what did Jesus say to him? He said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I, I mean, if Saul was wanting to argue, he wasn't because that was a moment of God. God showed up and he wasn't going to argue because he was like, oh, I'm on my knees, which happens when God shows up. But, but he could have said, I'm not persecuting you, I'm persecuting Christians. Jesus was like, yeah, I know, you're persecuting me. So can, can you, th I want you to think about this. When you go against a brother, you're going against God himself. And that's not ever a good idea. Don't do that. Um, we, we've got to understand that when we judge somebody, it brings trouble. We, we, and, and this is important. This goes along with the Lord's Supper that we've taken today. For us to learn to appreciate the mercy God has shown me. This is something I want to do. I want to learn to appreciate and be grateful for the mercy that God has shown me and you. And this is why one of the things I pray that we are a church that is, we are just full of grateful people. That, that we, we just become more and more grateful for the grace of God every day. And for us to, to grow in our, in our appreciation of the mercy that God has shown us. It's like Ephesians 4.32 through 5.1. We studied this. Be kind, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. That this is who we're called to be. And this is why James is so powerfully confronting this issue of saying, look, pay attention. Pay attention to the way you judge somebody. Another application of this, we've got we've to learn to 
to, to, to really change our attitude. This has got to become a priority. We, we've got to learn to take care of our own business, right? And I, this is something I pray we do. We, we, we take care of our job. It's like Acts, or Second, First Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12 says, to, in, to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. That, that we are called to take care of our own business. So I, wanna, I, wanna, I pray that we catch ourselves this week. That we catch ourselves when we start, we start to being, become critical of somebody else or slander somebody else, that we stop and go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I've got I've to take care of my own business here and not just slander somebody else or, or, or tear somebody else apart. Now, this is something we've got to make a priority. Now, it's important we understand this, and, and I want us to kind of shift gears for a second, because James 4.11 speaks very clearly that we are not called to judge each other. And, and I want to make sure that we, we understand how clear that is, that we are not to slander one another, that we are to make sure that it is a priority to change this habit. And let's embrace that. But, but let's talk for a second. Point number three is very important for us. Do you know that there are times when personal judgment calls are necessary? And this is important. Because, yes, we are not to slander somebody. We are not to tear one another down. And it's like this, what, uh, what, what you say about somebody else and I want you to think about what you've said this week. Maybe, maybe have you talked about somebody this week? And I want you to think about this. What you say about somebody else says more about you than it does that person. And I want to say that again. What you say about somebody else honestly says a lot more about you than it does that person you're talking about. And very clearly, God's word tells us we've got to pay attention to what we say. But in the midst of that, let's not misunderstand that there are times that we should make judgment calls. First, First Corinthians 2.15 says, the spiritual man makes judgments about all things. Matthew 7, 15 and 16, Jesus tells the story. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. So Jesus tells us that, that we've got to pay attention to the wolves in sheep's clothing. And, and this is something you, you cannot discern or understand a wolf in sheep's clothing or an actual sheep unless you make a judgment call. And, and, and I pray that our church, we, we know the word so well that when you hear something that's not true, you go, that's a wolf in sheep's clothing. And I'll be honest with you, there are a lot of false prophets in the world. And there have historically been a, a lot. But, but right now with the internet and with the, the globalization of the world, we just hear a lot more about them. And it's so interesting to me as, as, I, as I hear some of the fastest growing churches, and I've heard some of the, the I, I listened to a message recently 
of one of the top 10 fastest growing churches in the nation. And as I listened to this preacher preach and what he was saying, I sat there and thought, that's wrong. That is not right. And, and, they, and this is one of the fastest growing churches in the nation. How is that true? And, and I think it's because we don't know the word and we don't understand the word of God. And it's important for you and for me, it's important for me as a preacher to preach the word. But it's critically important for you to grow in it. And this is why I don't want you to just take what I say as fact. But I pray that we have a church that when I preach, you're going, okay, I'm going to gauge that with the scriptures, with what God has said. And, and see, that's, I'm not your final authority. I'm your pastor. And, and if I do my job, our staff or the pastors at our church will lead you to understand and follow God's word and the spirit of God, which never contradicts his word, right? It doesn't. And so we've got to know the word of God. So, so here, here's what is right judging? What, 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 what is a correct judging? Well, let me throw out two things to you. It's correct judging to understand that God calls us to discern what is truth from what is error. And, and I pray that you're able to discern what is truth and what is error. Because let me tell you something, just because someone writes a book and they've gone through that work and have printed it doesn't mean that it's true. Just because somebody has a title doesn't mean that it's true. But so often we are so um, easily swayed by circumstances and situations. And, and you know what? We've got to grow beyond that. We, we've got to be able to discern what is truth and what is error. It's like Acts 17, 11. Now the Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And see, this is why we've got to be a church that learns how to examine the scriptures daily. And this is, and we're going to push you, and, and without apology, we're going to push you to disciplines, to, to learn how to study, to, to understand the word of God, to memorize his word, to, to pay attention to the spirit, to, like what we say, move when the spirit tells us to move. Because for us to be a congregation that's like Acts 17, 11, that, that, we, that we receive the word with eagerness, that, that we uh, are examining the scriptures daily, that, that we're... We're, we're, we're making sure these things are so. And this is important. You know, God calls us to discern what is truth from what is errors. Second thing, it's important. Do you know that God calls us to discern what is moral from what the Bible calls immoral? Now hear this. Don't miss this. There are moral absolutes there, there are absolutely things that are morally right and morally wrong. And it blows my mind when I look at, at where our culture is headed. And, and, the, and, the, and the moral absolutes that we are walking away from. I, I want you to know something that, that I can't decide what these moral absolutes are. And you know, neither can you. You can't decide what moral absolutes are. Like 
This passage tells us there is only one. Look, look, at, look, at, look at this passage again. Look back. He says, the, the one who speaks against a brother, okay, no, verse, verse 12, there is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Now, it, it makes a statement there. James makes a statement. There is one lawgiver. There is one judge. And he is able to save. And in a world that doesn't understand God, that God is gracious and God is just. God punishes sin. In our lives, he disciplines us. And this is the reality. Now, the, the question we have to ask today, and I want us to embrace today, is, that, is, is how does the current popular opinion compare to what God has said? So let's think about this for a second. I want, I want to say some statements that are clear in Scripture. Homosexuality is a sin. It's absolutely a sin. And, and there are a lot of preachers. There are a lot of preachers that are getting up and saying, you know what, it's okay. It's not a sin. And, and, and they can say that. But you cannot be biblically honest to say that the Bible says that. Because it does not. The Bible very clearly communicates that homosexuality is a sin. Okay, let me say this. Bashing homosexuals is also a sin. And for us to, to slander and to destroy people that we love and know that are struggling with that sin is wrong. It's wrong for us to do that. Okay? Living together without being married is a sin. The Bible says that is going outside of God's umbrella of protection. And I've had people say to me, oh, we're living together, but we're not having sex. I'm like, come on, give me a break. Living together outside of marriage is a sin. Um, the Bible has a plan for sex. And it's under this umbrella of protection in the most sacred relationship known to mankind, which is marriage. Like Keith and I have known each other a long time. He was, in, he was at my wedding. And we, have, we are loyal friends. But there is, I promise you, there's never been a moment I've looked him in the eye and said, Keith, I promise before God and these people to love you, to be loyal to you. I've never done that to him. But I did it to that lady sitting back there, to Robin Purefoy, because marriage is this sacred relationship. It's the most sacred relationship known to mankind. And so God, in all his wisdom, put sex under that umbrella. Living together outside of marriage is sin. Okay, um, abortion is a sin. It is very clear that life begins at conception. And science is helping us. 
as they create these 3D images and they, and they track how early a, a, a baby feels pain. And as they recognize that um, a, a baby has a heartbeat really early. Psalm 139 says this, says that God carefully knit you together in your mother's womb. We cannot escape this reality that life begins at conception. Okay, let me say this. If you forsake the gender that God carefully knits together in your mother's womb, that is a sin. Now, Let's, let's be honest. Uh, I, we, when, when I say these things, even Christians will jump out and go, you look, you, Chris, you can't judge. You're judging. That's not your place to judge. But let me tell you something. It's not judging to proclaim what God has already said. Now, at the same time, we are called to help people that have had abortions. We are called to help those that are struggling with with heterosexual sin and and minister to them and help them. We are called to embrace those that are struggling with homosexual sin and help them and, and embrace them. Not to push them away. So when we... Let's make sure that we're not some of those Christians that run out and say, and use this verse to say, let's not judge. We've got to be able to to discern truth from error. We've got to be able to recognize that there are moral absolutes that God has said, if you go this route, you bring judgment on yourself. Here's here's the bottom line, and I want you to write this down. We've got to choose to confront these issues with the correct motives, with the correct spirit expressed in the correct way. And then this is what God is leading us to understand as we walk with him, as we embrace this calling that we have to, to walk with Jesus in the world, to be Christians that say, Lord, we will embrace people with the correct spirit. We, 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 will, we will confront issues and embrace people with the c- correct motives, and we will express it in the correct way. This is what Jesus did. As he rubbed shoulders with the woman caught in adultery, he didn't, he didn't throw a stone at her. He helped her. But then he said, go and sin no more. Because he helped her understand that sin is destructive. Sin will destroy you. So let's recognize that. You know, this is a tough message, I'll be honest with you. And, and you know, every, every time I preach, I, I think about how can I move into the gospel? And I want you to know, we need Jesus Apart from him, we move in this moral decline, this, this, this spiral of destruction. That's our human nature. And see, what God has done is he wants to give us a new nature. He wants to change us from the inside out. 
Has that happened to you? You'll never regret coming to Jesus. And like I've said before, it's, it's never easy to walk with Jesus. But it's the best way to live. So, how has God spoken to you today? Better yet, what are you going to do with what God is saying to you? Following him is the path to peace and hope and help. Apart from him, you'll always be searching. Come to Jesus today. Let's believe him more than our culture, more than our own opinions, more than our own minds. Let's trust him. Would you stand where you are? Lord Jesus, this is heavy today.